The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cloister Bell podcast, uh, where during this run we're continuing our review of the, the current series, which is Flux. Today we'll be focusing on the fifth episode, Survivors of the Flux. I'm Liam, and I'm joined by Rob. Hello, Rob. Greetings. Hello. <laughs> and salutations. How are you doing? Fine. I'm good, thanks. I'm in the warmth and comfort of the house today. I've been in the in the back shed recently. But, um, no, I'm in the kitchen today. Home studio. Ah. Nice and warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet, uh, w- winter has arrived with a vengeance. Mm, yeah. With snow, rain, and uh, winds that will rival the tornadoes that the Americans have, slightly. <sighs> Tell me about it. <laughs> well, it has caused some destruction. Uh, you know, tiles being blown off roofs. Walls collapsing onto cars. Yeah, nails through feet. <laughs> yes, uh, bins trundling down streets, yeah. uh, eating people. You know, the, the full thing. Uh, the weather's gone uh, truly apocalyptic. Yeah. Uh, and the, there's uh, flurries of snow mm-hmm. over at cloisterbellpodcast.com. Oh, yes, there is, yes. It's uh, because... Uh, we're recording this on the 1st of December. December's here. It's uh, now the official run-up to Christmas and things mm-hmm. are getting, you know, festive. I've, yeah, I've put I, the Christmas tree up is... today. Have you really? Yeah. I don't know if that's too early for me. It's December, so it counts. I th- yeah, I know what you mean. I-, I was thinking of doing it the weekend, but I went, nah, t- today's the day. One of the neighbours, not my direct neighbours, but further down the street, they've had theirs up for a week and a half in the window. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that's a little bit too early for me. But uh... and when when do you keep them up till? And I see sometimes on Facebook people rip them down <laughs> on Boxing Day. <laughs> but I like to keep I like to keep them up. Well, maybe for like you have like the twelve days of Christmas after Christmas, don't you? Yes. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that the traditional time when you can keep everything up there? Yeah, yeah, that's I, right. Yeah. I definitely have it, have it up over New Year, and then take it down. Yes, you know, I'm the same. I mean, you're putting a lot of hard work in putting a tree up, or you know, bringing a tree in, decorating it. I, I think, God, finally, we decorated. Now Christmas is over. Let's destroy the thing. I know Boxing Day is, is, is it's, a, it's a day of rest or a family day, not like let's put the tree away. No, I mean, and then when when the tree's gone, it's like the vibe's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's no longer Christmas. <laughs> yeah, mm. I feel like it's uh, yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> do, do, yeah. Just say like Christmas is over. Get rid of the damn thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit much. And I mean, the fact that these people have the energy to do that, I think, uh, shows that they haven't eaten enough on Christmas. Because mm-hmm. the whole point of Boxing Day is you're reco- you're recovering from the food coma you've put yourself in. Yeah. Um, Boxing Day, I'll be going for another family dinner, so um, I'll be very full and tired. <laughs> yeah, it's tradition. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to Christmas, and uh, I take it you are. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, tough run up to Christmas with work. Hmm. Mm. Unfortunately, 
Yeah. And uh, been up to much since our previous podcast? Oh, no. Uh, our previous podcast was the Village of the Angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've since had a bonus episode out that we've put up on patreon.com. Yes, that's right. Um, so, as we said, um, you can support the podcast uh, in any number of ways. You know, the, the usual liking, sharing and subscribing. But if you want to go that extra, you know, bit further, we do have a Patreon account. And you can help support us. Um, and we have various tiers, um, which starts off with a pound and goes up to a mighty, is it three or four? I, th- I believe it's four. <laughs> yes, it is. It's four. Uh, do you want to go through the tiers? Um, yes, we have a like a is it a tip jar which starts off at a pound, mm-hmm. which gets you all the basic exclusives of um, getting when available early access to the podcast, which will probably be midnight the night before, <laughs> depending on editing schedules. Mm-hmm. But yes, you do get early access. Across all the tiers, you get the same community benefits. We get to engage with each other on Patreon, and we also get exclusive access to uh, private chat channels on a Discord server as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the different community benefits are right across the tiers, so um, no one's left out there. Um, we Our second tier is a bonus episode tier, so for... Three pound and only Patreon puts VAT on top of that, so it's like three pound plus VAT. But um, we do you get access to the bonus episodes, so that's a a little under a pound an episode that you'll be supporting. Um, considering we're putting maybe four podcasts out a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we'll, you'll get access to the bonus episodes. We have one available now. Um, wasn't that hard to record um, after one of our usual recordings, so we may be able to slot quite a few of those out there. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. It was uh, it was quite nice to do. So the first uh, the first of many, uh, we were discussing the the doctors' costumes, going through each of the doctors, talking about them, our thoughts about them, and then at the end we go what our personal favourite is. Um, yeah, and we also have a showrunner tier that's our top tier where you can submit ideas um for us to review and also give your input um for certain segments of the show different things like that and we can get creative mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that's what the other thing i've been up to this week uh i've also done a live stream with all the great people mm-hmm. uh, that we've been um connecting with from the other podcasts um it's on our youtube channel so we did review this particular episode, Survivors of the Flux, back on Monday, just gone, um, with Carolyn and Shona from My Adventure in Time and Space podcast, Luke and Harry from Who Can Convince You, and Matt from Neither the Time Nor Space podcast. So they've been with us for five weeks now, and it's a shame it's come by so fast, but we have the final live stream this Monday. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it has gone really quick, and th- they look a lot of fun. And uh, obviously, reviewing the episodes, but you know, just having fun chats about yeah. yogurt, I think, was was one highlight. I think in one of the previous uh, live streams I watched. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like I'm missing out. So if if any if any more are planned in the future, I might uh, 
Yeah. Assuming he doesn't put people off, I might, I might pop up on one as well. Yeah, Liam might have a cameo <laughs> here and then. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, I think the only people missing are you and David from neither the Time Nor Space podcast. Um, so um, I, I know he's quite busy uh, with family stuff, so it's hard, it's, it's, it's hard getting everyone all in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Mark from... All of Time and Space podcast, and um, sadly he's been un- unavailable uh, since we did the first live stream. So we're trying to work things out. Um, if he's up to it and he's got time, hopefully he'll be with us this Monday, coming for the final one. Uh, but that's about it. Oh, um, and with regards to what I've been watching, Marvel's Hawkeye's out. I've watched the first two episodes. All right, any good? Entertaining, good. I know I say that about most Marvels, but um, it was it was all right. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Um, my trips to the uh, the cinema have have continued. Um, although one was one was curtailed. So what happened was because um, we know that uh, June uh, Part One came out uh, fairly recently at the cinema, so. Um, there was the opportunity to go and see the 1984 version, which had been directed by David Lynch at the cinema. I went, all oh, right, okay, great, I'll, I'll, I'll book that. So I did, and then on the day I was supposed to go, got an email from the cinema saying we're terribly sorry, but due to technical issues, we're, we're, we've had to cancel the showing. Um, and I was refunded, and they they did that very quickly, which was uh, which was nice. But um, <laughs> I don't think it was due to technical issues. I think it was because I'm sure I was the only person who booked a ticket. No way. Yeah, because um, I think there was a. So I'm convinced it was just a case of we're not putting the film on for one person. Uh, <laughs> it's not cost effective. Uh, we'll just put it down to technical issues and we'll just cancel the damn thing. Uh, so there was that. So I was a bit disappointed. Um, That's a shame. That's the kind of thing I would have jumped at the chance to do if uh, I had the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but uh, even if you did have the time, Rob, it was just like, oh, it's cancelled. Um, but I did go on uh, to the cinema to see House of Gucci. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and, that, and that was good. Did you mention that last week? I said I, uh, I, said I was going to watch it, but now, yeah. now, now I have seen it, and it was all right. That's fine. Yeah, it was fine, it was okay. I was expecting... I was expecting something a bit more lively and a bit more camp and fun. It, it was an odd movie. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't know whether it wanted to be this sort of like... <laughs> this camp true drama thing or be a serious it, it kind of wanted didn't know what it wanted to be the cast were good um but yeah it just felt like it was lacking something it was a bit it was all right it wasn't the, the worst film i've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination but not the best it was <laughs> not the <fun>. worst <laughs> yeah <laughs> put that on the post already scott not the worst um <laughs> So yes, um, so just going on uh, to our social media information, um, as we said, uh, you can support us on Patreon, as, as we discussed before, but you can also get in contact with us on Twitter's the best place, at Podcast Bell. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Cloister underscore Bell, and we all have our own website, which as Rob said before, is all nice and snowy and festive. Yeah. You can access the podcast there, but there's a few games and, and a few extra bits and pieces there. Which is at cloisterbellpodcast.com. Yeah, and also if you'd like to go to our YouTube channel, 
you can find uh, our live stream scheduled for next Monday and you can set a reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously the, the recordings of the previous um, uh, live streams are available if, if you've missed those. Um, with the, the first one, uh, just as a reminder, there was some technical issues uh, and I think, is it the first 30 or 40 minutes? Which Something are like bit- that on the, on the first one. Um, I think YouTube does offer an option to edit them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, me and you did a live stream last January, mm-hmm. and I did do, use the YouTube studio to edit it, and it cut just 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 to cut off the, the countdown timer, and it did that, but it, then it, it put the audio like 10 minutes out of sync. It was ridiculous. Oh, right, and then okay. you, after a while, YouTube just fixed itself, but I didn't I didn't dare to edit it. <laughs> But you know it's live. It's meant to have uh, things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, since then, uh, for the past two or three po- past two or three live streams, I've really fine tuned the audio and the video. Mm-hmm. Um, because working off a laptop and the internet, there's limitations with how how much uh, my computer can cope with and how much the internet can cope with. Because I'm also streaming everyone's video and sending it back out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of fine-tuned that and it's, it's running i'm quite amazed how smoothly it's been running for like the past the past two live streams so i've kind of got the technical sides out of the way there uh, all the technical issues <laughs> good good um right i think uh unless there's anything else should we go should we well go- i would like to issue a formal apology uh, for the last podcast Oh. Um, we had promised to rate uh, Village of Angels as cake. Oh, oh yeah. How on earth did we forget that? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was all the revel excitement. Yes, all the reveling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe we'll do that today. But um, my wife did just say, she did suggest rating it as crisps or hot drinks. But, you know... <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> the we'll possibilities see. of ranking things in accordance with food is endless. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to getting the pie ranking. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, on with uh, survivors of the flux. Um, so a quick uh, plot synopsis or teaser. As the destruction of the entire universe seems imminent with everything focused upon Earth, the Doctor encounters someone from her forgotten past and the organisation she once worked for whilst Yaz and Dan face perilous journeys as they try and discover when they try... My wording of my plot synopsis has gone... <laughs> it's gone You're perfect. It's gone into a flux. No, it goes... Whilst... Whilst Yaz and Dan face perilous journeys as they try and discover when they try and ascertain when they need to be ready for before everything ends. <laughs> you get the gist. Um, kind of. It, uh, yeah, my... That, that sums up Flux. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it seems to make sense and then so it just sort of falls yeah. apart at the end. That's our predictions for episode six. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, the, I don't know what happened there, but... We'll stick with that. Um, yep. The cast and crew, Jodie Whittaker plays The Doctor, Amanda Gill plays Yasmin Khan, John Bishop plays Dan Lewis, Kevin McNally plays, uh, plays Professor Jericho, Barbara Flynn plays Tectoon. We were right, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Craig Did, Park- you, you called it. I said, oh, she's The Doctor. 
<laughs> no, but I, I'm sure it, when we reviewed it, didn't we both agree that it crossed our minds that she was tech to you? Yeah. 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 And when we were watching it, my wife said, did you call that? I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing we've got right, I think. Uh, Craig Parkinson plays Prentice or the Grand Serpent. Robert Bathurst plays Farquhar. Great name. Craig Ells plays Carvinista. Farquhar. Uh, Thedia plays Graham... No, she doesn't. She plays Belle. I don't know where on earth Graham's come from. Oh, no. That's her sir. Is Graham back? It's... Yeah, for goodness sake, what? What's going on? We're a professional podcast. But just falling apart. The Dara Graham plays Belle. Jacob... And, I'm terribly sorry. Jacob Anderson plays Vinda. Sam Spurrell plays Swarm. Rajdita Sandon uh, plays Azure. Steve Oram plays Joseph Williamson. Gemma Redgrave plays Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. And it gives me great pleasure to say Nicholas Courtney plays Lethbridge-Stewart. Does he now? Yes, he does. Uh, I, d- I didn't hear that bit. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, he uh, he makes a cameo through an audio recording. and it was I had to record it. Uh, I raised it back and got, yeah, he's Nicholas Courtney's in there. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. The episode was written by Chris Chibnall and it was directed by Azir Salim. Um, as with the, did I, did I tell you what happened um, during the bad weather? Sorry, no, no. <laughs> Before we move on, <laughs> go on. Did you, did you, have you watched the last live stream? Oh no, I haven't. Sorry, Rob. Oh, well, I'll tell you now. Um, because we had all the bad wind the other day. I just want to get this out of the way. Okay. No, sorry. Right. Um, so I went out into the garden, secured everything, mm-hmm. and I was up for work at 3am, so I came downstairs, put the kettle on, and so I opened the back curtain, and the 10-foot trampoline <laughs> is gone. <laughs> oh, okay. With a ma- it has a massive enclosure, it's, it's huge and heavy, it's just gone. So I just stood there in shock. So then I start to panic, so I run outside, <laughs> right, and the fence between us and the neighbours is down, and all their furniture is in our garden. Oh, nice. So the, it's like a complete war zone. <laughs> right. So I'm running outside, in my slippers, mm-hmm. uh, climbing over the fence in, uh, a nail goes through my foot. Ah, right. That reference earlier makes sense now. Yeah. Right. Well, that's great. So I thought, <laughs> I'm just going to have to still still have to find this trampoline. So I was kind of imagining... A large trampoline just hovering away under the horizon. <laughs> Where's it gone? So I'm going at the back. I'm looking over everyone's back uh, fences. And at this stage, I need to be at work soon. <laughs> so, for God's sake, this is like a disaster of a day. Hmm. So um, I'm searching the whole area. I go in a circle around the area. And I give up. And I'm walking up my front street. And there it is, upside down. It flew over the houses, over the terrace. Wow, that's impressive. A ten-foot trampoline in a giant enclosure. It, it flew over. Yeah, that's how, that's how strong the winds have been. I had a catch-up with. That's quite impressive. I had a catch-up with uh, with work uh, with a work colleague, and she she was telling us about you know um, her experiences with the weather. I, she had. To, I, I, this just made me chuckle the way that this happened. She had to knock on her neighbours, uh, d- knock on her neighbours, and she said, "I'm not being funny, but do you mind taking your trampoline off my car?" Oh no way! Yeah, it. <laughs> I don't think it did too much damage, but it was just that thing. <laughs> Could you please remove your trampoline from yeah. my car? 
since it happened to me, um, a few people have actually told me they've lost their trampolines. Um, I went to work that day and I was speaking to my wife over text and she said, um, well, the issue was uh, I got like a Stanley knife. I just, the, the trampoline was a write-off, so I thought I'm going to have to get this home. It was massive. Um, there wasn't even a clear way to drag it. There was just a, like a short alleyway between the terraces. So I had to get a Stanley knife and demolish the whole thing, pull the poles apart, knife through the trampoline and just kind of <laughs> roll it back. Um, and so I threw this demolished trampoline back in my back garden. So later on in the day, um, my wife said, are you sure that was our trampoline? <laughs> oh my God, was it? <laughs> That's absurd. I'm just, astra- I didn't realise there were, pe- I didn't realise that there were people that had, there were this many people who had trampolines. If you go on Google Maps, mm. they're everywhere. Little black circles. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sorry, you were saying about Flux, I went a bit off top No, 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 hang on, wait a second, I've got to play this Simpsons clip Hang on Well, there you go. Uh, just <laughs> brilliant. Way better than Flux. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's our review. Um, right. Okay. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so yes. I'm sure. I'm sure with my constant mistakes and our bizarre structure of this episode, it's not annoying for the listeners at all. Um, now, so anyway. As we know, with uh, with these episodes uh, of of this current series, Flux, um, the, the the episodes are jam packed with stuff to to go through, and it can be quite difficult. You know, if we were to follow them in the way that they unfold in the episode, I th- you know, I think we would be here forever. There's an awful lot to um, to unpack. So uh, what I've done, you're going to have to bear with me, Rob, because I've kind of decided probably the the easiest way is to lump what certain characters are doing focus on that and then move on to other um characters and what they're up to rather than following the the chronology of the episode um yeah so it's exactly what i was thinking <laughs> right good, back good. and forward <laughs> yeah good um as a result of that um and maybe we're, we're leaving the most important to the last i'm going to not focus on the doctor until the end um fair point yeah so let's start off with Yaz, Dan, and the Professor. Now, one, it's great that we've got the Professor back. I think it would have been, I think it would have been very odd if he was just only in the previous episode and then wasn't here. Um, mm. And Kevin McNally is always a you know a really great presence, and he plays the part really well. And I loved the Professor in the previous episode. He was probably my favourite um, compa- uh, character in there. In fact, as I even said, I think he may be my favourite character. Um, of the whole series so far. Um, so it was fantastic to have him come back. And he's with, um, as I said, Yaz and Dan. And they're effectively globetrotting uh, in the early 20th century. So they they were left stranded in 1901. Yeah. Can I just say that I'm re- I had a really good... Um, I'm really happy that these characters are displaced in this episode. Because usually it's frustrating. Like, 
for God's sakes, the Yaz is over here, the Doctor's over here. Mm-hmm. When are they going to get back together? But it, in this episode, it felt good that they were off doing their own thing. To me, yes, no, I, I completely agree with that, and and certainly, I mean, one, it's it's nice in of itself. Um, but what was great was that finally Yaz um, has got stuff to do. Because as mm. we said in the previous episode, she was very much sidelined. Um, which has been the case for most of the Jodie Whittaker era, the Chris Chibnall era. Um, and then finally when Flux started, it was like, oh, you you finally got a hold of the character. And, uh, you, you know, she's um, strong and confident and capable and... And all the rest of it, and then it seemed like we were going back to sidelining her again. But yeah, she's yeah. she's back to the fore, and that was you know, that's really great to see. Um, yeah, well, the 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 three of them kind of landed in this in this um, pyramid in <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, um, and for a moment, I was kind of hoping we'd get a little Aztec crossover. Maybe this was the tomb of Yutaxa. That did cross my mind. I mean, I think that. Yeah, just as a throwaway, not as, as a massive, you've had to watch this William Hartnell story for this to make sense type thing. No, it's, I, yeah. funny enough, that crossed my mind, and it did it did take me back to that, because it's a cracking uh, story from the Hartnell era. It's it's really, really good. Um, so that, that did cross my mind. I thought that when they arrived in the tomb, um, that there was going to be something much more... Um, profound about uh, about being there because the candles were lit um so th- they arrive in in this tomb they they're looking for something yaz sees it um after there's this humorous thing about uh dan and the professor on this pulley system and as one goes up the other comes crashing down and so on which was quite nice yeah. um, the pulley being another <clears throat> another thing from the aztecs yes that's true so perhaps that's the um the aztec reference <laughs> maybe that yeah the aztecs nod um and um, what it is, it's um, uh, Yaz is looking for this pot which has these inscriptions in it, but the, but there's a candle lit. And I, so my initial reaction was, there's people already there, or people have already been there, but nothing really. That doesn't seem to be the case. It, nothing comes of that. So maybe it, um, it, I was analysing it a little bit too much. Uh, the, 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 there's a similar issue that came up later on. Um, that maybe we'll have to wait till we get there. No, no, go on. What is it? Well, you know when they go to Liverpool and they're in the tunnels and underground, mm-hmm. and they go, they said, oh, they're, they're moaning about how the lantern fuel's nearly run out, mm-hmm. but there's lanterns lit on every wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So the, um, this episode has odd choices of lighting, and narratively, it doesn't make any sense. Therefore, this episode sucks. No, uh, it's just—I just thought it was a bit odd. It was something I picked up on when they were in the when they were in the tomb, um, yeah. and then when it was just yeah. I thought the candle may, may have been significant mm. because it was center of shot, and it was lit. Like what the heck? Yeah, but no, it's it's not a thing. It's just a candle that was lit, and that was it. All right, okay. Um, but the, the main the main thing is that this pot, which has these uh, subscriptions. And so then... Uh, inscriptions. Inscriptions, sorry. What did I say? Subscriptions. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> My mind's elsewhere. Inscriptions uh, on this part, which then need to be transcribed. So they then go to... It's sort of like a bazaar. And there's a, a strange, mystical lady who can read and translate stuff. Um, but there's an assassination attempt. And it's all very sort of... Uh, and obviously this this is good. I mean this in a good way. It's very Indiana Jones. 
<clears throat> with you know someone behind the scenes that planted you know it's a, a stick of dynamite and it's slowly burning down and um can can you smell something and yes has a look and all the rest of it and um they managed to escape by the skin of their teeth as yeah the yeah as is quick but... thinking just put a blanket over it <laughs> <laughs> Is that really going to work? It, uh, it it dampened the explosion, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it uh, it worked. Yaz knows what she's doing. Um, and I quite like that. It was so there. This aspect of of the episode is very um, action orientated and a little bit light hearted. There's there's plenty of comedy going on, despite the fact that the, they are in danger. Um, it's sort of I suppose if you, um, tonally, it's kind of similar to episodes like The Unicorn and the Wasp, if you like. You know, yeah, you know, when I guess so it is, yeah. Yeah, when, the, when there's danger, but it's mm. done in a... In a in, like an assassination. Kind of thing. Yeah, because then they're, they're on a ship, and uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's a waiter that, that comes in, and um, he tries to assassinate them. I mean, and one thing which uh, ties these assassins... Is that there's either a tattoo or something on their clothing, which has a symbol of a snake on it. Mm, the serpent. Yeah. So it's just all oh, right. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, this ties up to something a little bit later on, which we'll we'll, we'll get to. Um, and uh, a lot of this doesn't tie it together in my mind. Maybe you can shed some light on it all. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Um, so. Um, it transpires that what they're trying to do is they're trying to find a date. Mm. Um, and what it is it's like? When will the universe and when will the when is it seen that the Earth will come to an end? You know when what what is the exact date when flux will destroy everything? So we know when when that will be and we can when we can prepare for it. So that's what they're trying to find out. And these these little echoes uh, throughout all of. Because the way that, because uh, the doctor has recorded a message for Yaz, which Yaz plays, and the doctor saying that is that clever people throughout uh, the whole of history would have picked up on these sort of echoes, saying that you know something dreadful will happen at whatever date. They get part of the date, which is the fifth of December. Which funny, which you know, is, is that the broadcast date? That's the broadcast date of the final episode. Uh, oh. We had something like that uh, a few episodes ago, didn't we? Like was it the Halloween Halloween apocalypse? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it dro- it drops it dropped the then date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, just if anything, just to make a sense of the title, I think. But yeah. they got the fifth of December, but they don't know the year. So that's what they're trying to find out, and so that's why they're globe trotting. They're, they're trying to find you know people or artifacts all across. Um, almost, almost like uh, the the. Vars the the pot they got with the inscriptions. Hmm. Um, it's almost like the kind of doomsday calendar. We're from the is it the Aztec or the Mayan calendar? Mayan, yeah, yeah. Mayan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whenever. Everything... Although that was twenty, that was twenty twelve. That was twenty twelve. Yeah. Although I think. Came and gone. I think I think the thing with that was that the, the calendar ended in twenty twelve. I don't think they actually foretold that. The world would end in 2012, but yeah, people kind of thought, well, that's when the aliens come, or or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a good plot device for the for, you know for the early phase of the Assassin's Creed games. I don't know whether you've all oh, right. D- did you I ever play those? Dabbled. <laughs> I, I really loved them, and so um, those the early games. It was uh, everything was coming to an end at the end of 2012. Uh, there was uh, a big solar flare, and 
Templars and Assassins and yeah, it all got very complicated but tied into there. But anyway, yeah, uh, again going off on a tangent. But um, my favourite bit of the episode is when they come across a prophetic hermit in uh, Nepal. Yeah. I, I just love that. I love that bit. I love the, the interaction between Yazdan and the Professor. I mean, I've, uh, I've loved it all. Um, but then they, they encounter this, this hermit and he, he's just great because he's a hermit, but he's got, he's got uh, a cheeky personality. He's after, um, <clears throat> he's after uh, you know, gossip. Uh, he's joking <clears throat> with them. He's teasing them. He, I genuinely laughed out loud at this part of the episode. I just thought he was, you know, he was great, and it would have been it would have been great to have had more of him actually. But you know, yeah. And all the stuff in between that we would have missed. It's a shame that they've been they've been wandering around for was it three or four years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when they went to see this guy um, for the whole fetch your dog speech, um, it must have been a struggle. It kind of reminded me of like. Um, or the struggling to survive and like Marco Polo travelling with his caravan and kind of like um, saving on water and stuff it's like all that survival stuff we would have missed <laughs> with Dan Yaz and uh, Jericho yeah I mean if if you were to do the story in the classic era and it would be like a 12 episode epic or something like that then yeah you would be able to <laughs> you would be able to include those things um in some aspect, I think it'd be. I th- this is one of those instances where I'd be. I think it'd be great if they novelized this story, actually, because then you you, you could, you could, because one thing that we've said uh, in previous episode with previous episodes of this series is that um, to Jack, there's an awful lot going on, and it's all it's all good stuff, but um, there's not real much space to allow things to breathe. Jam packing everything into six episodes. It would be nice if, the, and as and as you pointed out, I think the the initial intention was to have this as ten episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the you know for for a number of reasons they've squashed it down to six. Um, I still think it works, but yeah, it would have been quite nice to see a little bit more of the. Not only are they in danger because of the assassination attempts, but also the fact you know that the globe trotting during the early twentieth century that in itself is quite perilous. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree what with Flux it. what Flux really needed was like six seasons. See, <laughs> <laughs> it's slow. Yeah, um, but I love it all. But uh, um, so yes, as you said, that they get this message from from this hermit, which is uh, fetch your dog. So then they go to the the Great Wall of China, and they 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 paint on the ground in massive letters uh, a message to Carvanistra. Carvanistra gets the message, it flags yeah. up on his thing, because, um, on his radar. But he's... he's bit, bit of a silly idea, silly idea. It was this cliche thing of, like, well, Great Wall of China's obviously visible from space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could see where they would come from. I mean, it's not, but, you know, it's... It's, yeah. thing. it's, uh, it's a misconception, isn't it? It is, yeah, but it's fine, and it's sort of fun to play in this episode, so so I liked it. Yeah. Um but Carvinistra is seeing that message in the present, and he's frustrated because he he says, "I can't time travel." <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love how he's talking out loud to them. I can't time travel, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's they managed to get a message to Carvinistra. Uh, I suspect that at some point Carvinistra will bump into the Doctor and say, "Oh, I got this message. I think it dates from da 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 da." Because obviously he knows yeah. it's from the past. So then the Doctor will nip in the TARDIS and pick them up. But at the moment, they're still stranded in the early 20th century. 
Oh, so much to wrap up next week. <laughs> there is. I mean, it's it's sort of. There's only one more episode to go, and there's yeah. Okay, so right, so that's that side of the episode, um, which is obviously you know uh, scattered throughout. I'm just jam packed that all into one. So that's what's happened to Yazdan and the Professor. They're still stranded in the early twentieth century. Um, they've got part of a date which they need. They're just missing the year. Um, then we have Prentice, the Grand Serpent, in this episode, uh, which is interesting because we had encountered him before. He was in the. Uh, uh, was it Once Upon Time? I think it was episode three. But anyway, we have encountered him before, and he formed part of uh, Vinder's backstory. And, yeah. and I always thought, why is he called the Grand Serpent? Um, this makes more that that ends up making sense in this episode. Um, mm. And it's in- I don't know what I still don't know what to make of him, um, and I don't know where he fits in Vinda's society because with the scene with Vinda talking to his superior, who was played by Yaz, Man of Gil, sorry, in 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 the uh, in the time storm, mm. um, it was almost like. I don't know, hail to the Grand Serpent or something like it was something they worshipped, but then we find out he's an actual person, uh, but he has this really big snake in his back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, originally I think it's hinted that because we first encounter him in the story, because uh, it's 1957 is the year when we first encounter him, and he's talking to this the character Farquhar. Farquhar has been um, tasked by the United Nations to form a British uh, side of this intelligence task force. Mm. It's the beginning of UNIT. Um, And and, and Prentice is there from the beginning. Now, we we see him uh, through, at this point in the 50s, the 60s, and then then the 1987, uh, then 2017. It's years ending in seven, isn't it? Well, the final time period, uh, I think, puts it in line with Revolution or Resolution of the Daleks. Yes, it when does. It was, yeah, men- yeah. it was mentioned that Unit had gone under because of uh, Brexit, <laughs> when in actuality it would it was the Grand Serpent dissolving it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It. So yeah. Just, um, so Unit was, and it could it couldn't go it, it couldn't go up to present day twenty twenty one because. Um, the Earth is um, under protection from the dogs and stuff. By then, <laughs> yes, that's true. But we we do, but we do leap. But then we do leapfrog into the current year. But what what I find interesting, I don't know. Wh- I don't know whether this is a coincidence or it's a, we're supposed to. There's a clue there, but the fact that this is his parts of the story are in. 1957, 1967, 1987, and 2017. So he's jumping the decades. Yeah, um, because and, I think yeah. originally it was like, well, is obviously he's an alien. Is he got? Has he got this inter- terribly long lifespan? Is he not aging? But no, it it transpires that well, Kate implies or she theorizes. Yeah, but that, I, I actually think that that is probably correct. So anyway. What he's doing is he's using time travel to embed himself into the unit hierarchy so he can eventually disband it and allow the Suntarans to, to conquer the Earth. Oh, yes, for the Suntarans, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what he does. So he 
he's there when Farquhar has been, uh, I just love that name, has been tasked to form unit. Uh, the Grand Serpent uh, says, well, actually, I've got expertise. Um, you, I can maybe help. And, he, and then Farquhar's like, yes, please. Then we cut to 1967 and unit is pretty much formed. And this is the bit, you know, when the, they're walking down the stairs and Farquhar references yes. there's a colonel. Yes. That's the used uh, Nicholas Courtney's uh, voice in that clip. Right, okay, so this will be <clears throat> Colonel Lethbridge Stewart from... Um, the Web of Fear. But it's leading fear, up to yes. that. And, what if I, it, and again, there's a nice little nod. He's saying, um, um, we're finally set up um, after we missed the um, all that business in the post office tower. That's the war machines being referenced, the, the William Hart right. uh, story, uh-huh. which is quite nice. That gets a reference. And as you said, because this is set in 1967, Colonel Lethbridge Stewart's been brought in. Um, and he doesn't move up in the world until the invasion. Yes, that's right. So this is so this so this section predates um, the Web of Fear. Of course, this just going into another side because there's this whole thing in Doctor Who found him, as you and I know, about unit dating controversy. Yeah, were would it? This came up on the live stream. I think it oh, was. Did it? It, might, it might have been Shona who um, was a bit. Um, she was aware of it because you know it. it it's it's a thing in fandom and mm. it's been referenced here and there. But uh, I, I did say that. Don't worry about it. You know, it's a symptom of the of the of the production at the time. The kind of well, from my understanding of it, it's basically that the stories were implied to be in the eighties when it was made in the seventies. Well, the idea... So, simply what it is, for those that don't know, is that when um, the unit was introduced in the the end of the Patrick Troughton era and then the John Pertwee era, the idea was that these stories were five years in the future. That was the idea. It wasn't... It wasn't categorically said, but that was the... It was sort of implied that this was in the future. And the the production team went, it's five years in the future. That That was the idea. So... Uh, Terror of the Zygons, 1975, was when it was broadcast. It would that would have made it set in 1980. Periods of Mars. Okay. Sarah Jane Smith makes a reference that she's from 1980. So that was the idea. Right. Uh, units phased out uh, when Philip Hinchcliffe is the producer. Tom Baker's the doctor at this point, um, and with the odd exception of like the Seeds of Doom, units never never seen or heard of during that period. You then get uh, the Peter Davison era, and this is where things get complicated and you get the unit dating controversy, which is a story called Mordron Undead. It's a great story, and it, it involves complications with, with time. And Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart, played by Nicholas Courtney, is in the episode and plays a big part in what's going on with the, the, the confusions of time. Um, the present aspect of the story is set in 1983. Um there's also parts of the story which are set in 1977. And that's what causes the de- unit date, uh, dating controversy. Because what Mordron Undead says is that the stories were contemporary to when they were broadcast. But that confuses the timeline and all the rest of it. Personally speaking, I'm not really bothered. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. And obviously with, with Flux, Survivors of the Flux, this episode, it, it, it doesn't help either. But... No, no, whatever. I think basically what Survivors of the Flux does is it just streamlines it. And, it does, yeah. And goes, 
the stories were set when they were broadcast. It's simple. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. What <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't really want to go into it further because it's just it's just fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, yeah. That's all that needs to be said about that. that that's the the gist of it. Yeah. Um, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Um, it's a thing. There was the whole case of the TARDIS being at the unit facility as well. Yes. Um, my probably wrong presumptions at the time was this was a past Doctor TARDIS. Now I knew it wasn't necessary, um, Pertwee's TARDIS, unless the the dating issue they're now doing it in reverse <laughs> or, or negative, you know. So, um, so Pertwee's unit stories weren't set in the eighties, but the sixties. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking, what story does this tie in with? Um, but now that I've thought about it, because they found it in Devon, it, this is the TARDIS that's been there since um, the Village of the Angels. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So this is Jodie so Whittaker's TARDIS. It is, yeah. yeah. It's just Jodie Whittaker's TARDIS. I know it looks different to the more recent modern TARDISes, um, but I think having it sat in a dark room um, made me think it looked a bit different. I thought it did as well. Um I, I thought it looked a little bit different. Funny enough, it's just gone. The, the windows look a yeah. bit off. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I started thinking, "Oh my god, I, I hope Joe Martin didn't work for Unit in the '60s or something." <laughs> <laughs> Try and get your head around that. Yeah, maybe Chris Chiplett's going to go. If you wonder in Unit dating controversy, my god, am I going to give it? So yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a thing, and that yeah. will be his legacy. Um, but it's it's during this where we find out why the Grand Serpent, I think, is really called the Grand Serpent, is because um, he's able to, to. I don't know. It's it's either it's implied that there's a serpent living on him, or he's he's able to um, shred a part of his body, which is a is a serpent, um, and that's able to kill people. It basically, I mean, it's it's quite worked. It's really creepy. It seems to. Mm eat them from the outside and then come out their mouth. Yeah, it's quite it's horrific. Weird, um, um, almost, it's not the same at all. It's, it doesn't mean this is the master, but it's it almost resembling, resembles, <laughs> resembles the, um, the morphic worm from the TV movie. Yes, yeah, so it does actually. Yeah, to, uh, to kind of. Yeah, so it can't, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like for like, but you, you can, I, I can no. see the comparisons there. Yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of um, trying to see, see. I was wondering if there was a connection here. If this was the master, I wonder if he's hiding in plain sight somewhere. Funny enough, I, stories like this, you know, because there's a big, there's the big thing about, um, you know, we've had the Weeping Angels, the Cybermen, the Daleks, the Sontarans, and as cross mm-hmm. my mind and go, well, where's the master in all this? I don't think the Grand Serpent is the master. Mm. We still don't know who the big player is yet. Who who's going to be the main villain? Because um, it gets to the point where um, Tectoon is there. Um, she's kind of behind all this with the flux to cleanse the universe of the Doctor. Um, but then we have Swarm and Azure, who um, have been playing the long game here, and they're having a play for power. Then we have the whole thing of the Dalek and the Cyberman, the Centauran sectors. Hmm. The, their space has been taken by the flux, so they're in the middle of a power struggle. Um, 
But you never know, the Master could be playing a long game here as well. Yeah, but I think at, at this point, with episode five, with only one episode to go to bring the Master in, be would be a bit, oh, for goodness sake. Although, having said that, it worked in the Trial of a Time Lord. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I, to be honest, I'd be surprised if the Master does turn up. Yeah. And if it turns maybe, out that maybe it, in the specials, and it, and, it, and if it turns out if it is the Grand Serpent, I would be very disappointed. Yeah, I want the Grand Serpent to be his own thing. And to be honest, I think he is. Yeah. But I know that the, the, there are a few people who have said that he could potentially be the master. And um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I don't think so. But if it, if it does go down, especially that since we've just... had his backstory with Vinda, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so. Th- th- so what we're seeing is the Grand Serpent is he's going around um, killing unit personnel and then working mm. his way up the hierarchy. And then we see him finally uh, with uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. Kate comes back and she hasn't been seen since the Zygon story in the, the um, Peter Capaldi era. So it's been a long time. So to see mm. her come back was, uh, w- was great. And I love Gemma Redgrave in, in that role. I think she's very good and very commanding and authoritative. And um, and plays the part very well and clearly very intelligent. And she calls out the Grand Serpent and goes, um, I've done my digging on you. you. You're not what you claim to be. And in fact, I know you're alien and you're using time travel. Um, you know, and I love that. You know, she's not stupid. Yeah. She's perceptive. Of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, intelligent. Yeah. And it, it, it was a great scene, but that places her life in danger. So her house has been uh, booby trapped. Um, she manages to realize this just in time as her entire house blows up, but she survives, yeah. but she rings um, Osgood. We don't see yeah. Osgood in the episode, but you know, um, she's there in spirit. She rings her and says that she's going to have to go uh, under undercover, basically, because her yeah. life's in danger. Going dark, I think she says. Yes, that's the phrase I was uh, trying to remember. She's, uh, she's going yeah. dark. Now, she had a flip phone. Do you think she's trying to... Because um, she's head of an intelligence agency. Do you think um, the the fact that we're all being monitored by our smartphones ties in with that? You know, she's mm-hmm. she's smart, smart enough to use a dumb phone, like what, you, what you're kind of wanting to get. Yeah, well, to be... Yeah, I really want... I w- ideally, I would love to go back down to uh, a Nokia 3310. Yeah. One day, I'll just get a phone call of Rob... I'm going dark. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping up the knot, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only problem is it's just, it may, it would make people getting in contact awkward with regards to WhatsApp. But it's coming to the point where it's like, I really don't, you know, if people were, we managed to arrange organising meeting up before, many years before WhatsApp was a thing, yeah. so. It'll get to the point where the only way people can get in touch with you is through our listeners' responses. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to the response this week. Hey, Liam, just the family. <laughs> just wondering how you do. <laughs> Basically, uh, what it is, Rob, is that uh, I'm very slowly going through this phase where I will basically be the hermit character in Nepal in this episode. That, that's my goal. That's the that's what I want to be. My own space, and every now and again, someone will pop up in person. Give me a little bit of Rob. Gossip. Did you bring a newspaper? Yeah, did you bring a no. newspaper? <laughs> and uh, just go no. It's like oh. Well, you're useless. Um, that that's what I want to be. That's that's the dream. Um, so anyway, come back to the, so yes, uh, Kate Lethbridge Stewart goes dark. Um, so she's in hi- hiding, doing what she needs to do. Unit's been disbanded. This is towards the end of the episode now, um, and that's the last we see of her. That's the last we see of her. 
and uh, she'll crop up in present day 2021 i'm sure oh yeah yeah just she'll definitely come up in the next episode uh it'd be very odd to just go no she did go dark so dark that she doesn't appear in the episode <laughs> okay um no she'll come back and we're looking forward to that um and then uh it turns out that he's the grand serpent's made a deal with the Santarans. yeah uh to conquer the earth so that's yeah. the Grand Serpent side of stuff. So he ties in with Yuna, and I think all that, that that was very nice and good. Right, okay. Then we've got Vinda and and Belle. Um, now, my reading of this, Rob, is that this is the bit of the episode which probably irritates people. Mm. Did it, did the did this aspect irritate you? I guess so, because <laughs> it was it was very uh, it was very brief. Uh, lacked substance. <laughs> so, when it was established that that Vinder and uh, Bell were were looking for each other and their you know um, their life partners, which is a term which just makes you want to projectile vomit. But anyway, uh, their life partners um, and Bell's pregnant and and they're looking for each other because they're they're in a romantic relationship, which is great, love it. But um, they they're constantly being separated so in the previous episode just as Belle was about to give uh, her coordinates it was the oh no the device that I'm recording on has suddenly lost power and it was just like that trope again goodness sake Um, so that was annoying now I really like Vinda's character and I really like the uh, the actor who plays him so when he pops up I haven't got a problem with it what I do have a problem with with this aspect of the story is it, it just just the the way in which his character and Belle are made to be separated. Um, I so we had that that stereotypical trope in the previous episode, which I just mentioned. What happens here is Carvanistra's race, uh, the the dogs. They have formed this shell of their spaceships around around Earth for reasons which are not explained. One of the ships suddenly just decides to drift off. So. Mm. I mean, statistically, it's, it might happen. You know, they've got like, they've got seven or eight billion ships there. Yeah, but the, the way that they're designed, they're all there. interlocked and they're stationary. They shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. But, but I can see where you're coming from. But I, th- my perspective, I think that's being a bit too generous because I just right, okay, it's not really established why this this one ship just decides to drift off. It just does. So then uh, there's a breach in this uh, protection. Um, so then Carvanistra's uh, looking for um, one of his other ships to, to to bring in. And it happens to be the one that Bell's flying. Uh, just as she's on the cusp of being reunited with Vinda. Because it's established that where she was about to approach, Vinda's on. And it was just like... Uh, re- I, I just thought it was weak. Yeah. And he hears... Vinda hears her departing as well. Mm. He's like, oh, someone's in a hurry to get away. Um so that was frustrating mm-hmm. um, but what Vinda does Vinda seems to have a plan here I don't know whether you thought this but um, so Vinda's on this planet and or well whatever it is he's he's at the, he's on this place uh, which is abandoned or seemingly but this is where it turns out that um, Swarm and Azure are and the people that they effectively kidnapped in the, the previous episode we see and um, they're all destroyed they're killed and it's established that the reason why they're killed is because they're, what uh, Azure and Swarm are doing is using them as energy to get somewhere. 
Right, that wasn't that wasn't so clear to me. Oh, right, okay. Was it spelled Was it spelled out, and I just missed it? I think it was because it's um, it's said twice in the episode. It's said twice here, and then it's said later on when they arrive at the division. But we'll get on to right, that. Right, okay. But that but that's what they need. They need an awful lot of because I'm leaving ahead here a little bit. But uh, the division headquarters is between uh, two universes. So they need right, an yeah, awful yeah. lot of energy to to break through the barrier of the universe to get to where the division is, and that's what okay, so, and so mm. that's what they're doing. They're using all these life essences as as that form of energy to get there. Yeah. Um, now um, we had the flux energy that was ripping the universe apart. Mm-hmm. Is that the same visual effect that Swarm was using to absorb people? So, uh, well, I said that during the Halloween apocalypse. I thought that they there was a there was a, they're not like for like, but I did think that there was a little bit of a visual similarity. Mm. You know, when when we see the flux destroying planets, you know the the way that they basically just it kind of crumbles to dust. Crum- yeah, um, and that's what. But then maybe that's because it flux is using the power of time to destroy things, and that's what swarms doing. So maybe that's yeah, just it's a, it's like space is being broke apart. Yeah, so maybe that's the only connection. Mm, yeah. Maybe. But uh, Vinda witnesses this and then is on the prowl, but realize, you know, but then uh, Swarm uh, realizes that Vinda is there. And it's he said um did you Swarm says to Vinda, did you not think you, we would detect you? And Vinda went, well, yes, I actually thought you did. What do you propose to do about it? And then um then Vinda is is captured in the um, oh, what you call them, Rob? The, the passenger form. Passenger form, yeah. Thank you. Um, so he, so he's imprisoned in the, the uh, in in that, and um, it's almost like a Gallifreyed Matrix inside. Yeah, it is. Um, but what I don't know whether you picked up on this. Well, no, not picked up on it. That's the. I don't know whether you read it like this because I don't know whether I'm right or not, but I read it like that's what Vinda wanted. No, it hadn't occurred. It was. Oh, right, okay. I'll, I'll have to go and rewatch that. Because my my reading of it was that Vinda wanted to be put into the the passenger form. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Maybe he thinks Bell's in there. Possibly, but uh, again, my sort of reading of it was a little bit different. But I mean, we'll we'll see. You might be right, but and. That was sort of my my take on it, but uh, when he's in there, he it's the passenger form which happens to have Claire in it. Uh, oh yeah, Claire Diane. is uh, Dan's love interest. Um, D- Diane is Dan's love interest. Diane, sorry, yes. So I'm getting yeah. yeah. Uh, Diane, there's an Claire's awful lot of characters. Angel, it's Angel Girl, yeah. Um, so yes, Diane is da- Dan's love interest, and she was kidnapped uh, towards the end of the very first episode. We established. Uh, in the second or third episode, I can't quite remember now that she was in this, um, in this, uh, this form yeah, of prison. I, what, and what did you say? I feel like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about her reaction. Was she? Wasn't she like, "I'm Diane. I'm from Liverpool. I'm going to kick ass" or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, because she 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 meets Vinda and she says, "Finally, somebody with a gun." Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, pretty completely on that. Yeah, so that's their sort of interaction, and that's the that's the Vinda stuff in the episode. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's so, that. So, um, so that they're teamed up. So they're teamed up. Or, or rather, they're out the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just however it plays. But that's that. Um, Joseph Williams, the uh, eccentric um, Victorian who uh, intrigued me in the first episode and has irritated me ever <clears> since, <throat> um, finally no longer irritates me because he's now fully woven into the into the episode. I mean, the way that... Again, because we we encounter him a couple of times, um, just bursting into rooms, um, being sort of I'm Joseph Williams, a Victorian eccentric, and da da da, just going a yeah. ship. What am I doing on a ship? Storming out the room. I know. On the live stream the other day, um, Harry said something. I also heard him say it on um, his Flux Review podcast today. Um, he said that Williamson's performance is very like Reese Shearsmith. Yes, it is. I picked to the point where, particularly in this episode, I for a moment thought that it was him playing it. Then I had, yeah. and then I reminded myself, no, 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 it isn't. It's, it is a different actor. It's almost like watching the League of Gentlemen. It's one of his random characters. It is very League of Gentlemen. I'm totally with him on that one. Um, and I don't know what it is in this episode in particular, with particularly the moments on the ship. Um, oh, I can't believe he was wasted in that sleep no more. Yeah. Oh, oh, that... Liam, I, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to review it. No, I, I don't either. But you know that if we do get Patreon uh, subscribers who who can shall I put that shall I put that on Patreon now is our first goal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll it's painful. No I hate that episode. That episode made me physically sick watching it. And that's not hyperbole. It generally did. <sighs> We're gonna have to review it at some point, aren't we? Okay. Um. I'm going to put that on Patreon now. Um, the first goal, make us suffer. <laughs> That'll get people paying. Yeah, probably. Oh, we're podcast presenters. Get us out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Matt and David, they've earned loads of money at neither time nor space pod. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, good, good. Because they've been, they've been raising money for Doctors Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year they've raised um, in excess of £500 Oh, nice, excellent. Um, so they've they, they had a load of targets. If people donated a certain amount in one go, um, they would they would do certain things. Mm. Um, and one of them this week, which they passed, was um, David. Sorry, Matt would sit down and watch the entirety of class in one day and review it. Good God! Okay. So he did it the other day, um, earlier in the week. Um, so he started. I think it was seven or eight in the morning. And yeah, I read about that, could, and it makes sense now because I thought, why yeah. would anyone do that out of choice? Right? Okay, it makes sense. Yeah, but if you go on their channel um, mm-hmm. for the podcast, uh, they've, he's done a I think it's a twenty-five minute bonus episode, so you can digest the entirety of class in twenty-five minutes. <laughs> and he just kind of has a break for two minutes in between episodes mm. um, to kind of talk about that, and he he took up his whole day. Um, I think next up. Is to um, do series one of Sarah Jane in one day. I think they've passed the target for that. The uh, whole of the Sarah Jane adventures. Well, I, well, he said to me, he's going to sit down and watch the whole Sarah Jane, and I said, you know, that's five series. And he didn't realise, so he's just doing series one. Right. Okay. Then. <laughs> Which is still a feature length special, and six two parters. Mm. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, no, but at least not watching five years worth of television in uh, in one yeah. sitting. It was nice hearing someone who's actually seen class as well because all I seem to get is people who hate it who haven't seen it. <laughs> and ha- halfway through it, he's kind of like, "Oh, that that was great," and I'm like, "I think yes, it was." Like these little bits in between, and then how it kind of progresses. Mm. And at the end, he's like, "Am I a class fan now?" I think I am. I want to know what happens next. Um, it's not half bad. Um, I want you to sit down and watch the first episode at some point. Yeah, I think I will at some, yeah, at some point. It's, it's when, on iPlayer now. Yes, I know. I have I have seen that. Uh, there was just, oh, it's on iPlayer. I think I might watch that. But I'll watch something yeah. else first. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just never happened. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch. Um, but anyway, sorry. Maybe, maybe after the new year. Yeah, after the new year. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, going back to J- J- Joseph Williams. So um, he's united with Yazdan and the Professor and uh, in his tunnels at the end of the episode. And uh, I think it was obvious, but... I, uh, I did say that, you know, Dan would be the one who would go, oh, I know who Joseph Williams is, and I know where we can find him. I know what he's about. He did these tunnels. Da, 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 da. We'll find him there. So they go to Liverpool. Um, I've forgotten the year that they say in this episode, but I'm sure it's... Uh, is it 1904? It's some point after his death. I think you might be right. Yeah, that that was weird. Cause it, 1907, I think it is. Because I'm sure Joseph Williams in real in reality died in 1905, if I remember rightly. So this is set in 1907. So the idea is that he's he's in these tunnels. Uh, encounters Yazdan and the professor. It's when Yaz tells Williams that that's a nice moment um, for him. I guess. Uh, Williams, yes, that is a very nice moment. So Yaz tells him that we think you know um, time is destroying everything and we're trying to prevent it. The huge relief that he has, that finally he, he's encountered someone who understands what he's picked up on and the reason why he's built these tunnels in the first place. It's, it's a really, really good moment. Uh, and I love that. And he's, he's tremendously relieved and excited that he's now encountered people who knows where he's coming from. Uh, and, they, and they go into the, the middle of these tunnels, which is this chamber, uh, which is surrounded by many doors. And all these doors go to uh, different uh, points in time. But what we establish is is that um, you would be able to pick one door and know exactly where you were going. But uh, apart from, I think it's door seven, which is certain death, do not go there under any circumstances. Hmm, I wonder if that's foreshadowing. Um, But what he explains is that um, time's time's getting muddled up. So if you went, so for example, if you had one door where it had always been, oh, you would go through that door and it'd be 12.15. Well, now it's changed. It could be, you know, so there's all that going on. Um, yeah. But at the very end of the episode, um, because this ties into when the Grand Serpent's been making deals uh, with the Suntarans, we cut to here and the Suntarans burst through one of the doors, um, firing, and that's where we leave them. Yeah. Right. So... I th- that's the, the main. <laughs> that's the main stuff of what's happened with the, the 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 subsidiary characters, if you like. Now we come to the Doctor. Oh yes, I thought we were about to wrap it all up. Oh no! So now we come <laughs> to the Doctor. So now we jump back to the very beginning of the episode. So the, let's go. Let's go to the start. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, let's go to the end of the previous episode. So the end of the previous episode <laughs> ended with uh, the angels. 
uh, being established that uh, not this group of angels work for the division, which is this this group that the Time Lord set up, which the Fugitive Doctor uh, used to work for, and they kidnap uh, the Doctor to take them somewhere for the division, and in and in doing so, turn the Doctor into an angel. Just going, wow, that's a cliffhanger. Um, so then we come to the beginning of this episode, Survivors of the Flux, and um, I re- one of the things that I really like about, uh, and I said this in the previous episode when we were reviewing that, is actually how vindictive the, uh, the, the angels are. And they only turn the Doctor into an angel because just to just to wind her up and mess about with her. I mean, not a very, not a very nice thing to do. No. Um, but they're, but they're transfer, transferring the Doctor to the Division. So, arrives at the Division, or rather the Division headquarters is, is what it is. And like I said before, um, where this is, it's, it's, a, it's a space station between two universes. Our universe which is about to come to an end and the new universe or many multiverses where you know the possibilities are endless type of thing and we have a ood uh, there uh, pottering around doing an ood with human eyes yeah we that pre- was weird. previously had red or blue eyes um depending on the the kind of control that that was over them um but they didn't have i don't i don't think they had human pupils yeah so bit weird um but yeah, right to pick up on that. Uh, so there's an ood there doing oody stuff, basically being a servant. Very ood. Very ood. And then, um, uh, and then there's this woman, uh, which, as we said, we thought it's got to be Tech Tune. Yeah. Uh, and lo and behold, it is. And Tech Tune um, works for the division, and she informs the Doctor that the division was this organization that was set up on Gallifrey to um to to tr- the idea was to try and help uh, other civilizations and cultures and you know kind of up their game culturally and scientifically and all the rest of it and as the doctor says so you constantly interfered so, yeah but we were doing it for good but of course as time went on the division became more and more powerful um and the division seems to be set on destroying our current universe with the use of the flux, and the future lies in this other universe, um, which the Doctor isn't particularly keen on. Um, as was established in the previous series of Doctor Who, and has been reiterated in this one, is that the Doctor uh, has a whole aspect of her life which she cannot remember. Her memories were wiped pre-William Hartnell's Doctor. Um, but we've had these tantalising uh, glimpses of what she was about, what was going on, um, and maybe she could find out. And there's a um, and we, we find out in this episode that actually Tecteun was the one who wiped the Doctor's uh, memories, which was interesting and... Be- because effectively she was like a mother figure for the Doctor. Um, so she's not um, quite a <laughs> not very nice thing to do. Um, no. But she makes a deal with the Doctor just going right. You can either do what you seem to be set to do, which is try and protect this universe. But it's that's a complete waste of time. You will fail. 
Or, come with me, do division stuff, and I will give you your memories. Uh, the Doctor goes, yeah, as tempting as that is, you clearly don't know me. I'm going to do the right thing, because I'm moral, and I'm going to protect the the, uh, the current universe. Mm. And Tectoon's like... Then she throws a bit of a spanner in the works here. Yeah. And yeah, and, and then um, Swarm and Azure uh, just, you know, pop up and it's like, how the hell did they get here? And this again, this is where to reiterate, Rob, where um, they say that they got the they got the necessary energy to break effectively break through the barriers and get yeah. to the division headquarters. But doesn't Tectoon first say that she gives her a counter offer that if she comes with her, she'll leave the Earth? Mm-hmm. Intact, yeah. Yeah. Aye. And then to like you know, allow her friends to live and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. Swarming Azure. Yeah, Swarming Azure there and um Because, uh, and just prior to them coming, although they clearly hear the doctor say this, the doctor says that, you know, she's gonna protect the current universe and destroy division. Azure and Swarm seem to have no problems with that. In fact, because I'm sure uh, Swarm says, well, you're going to effectively, you're going to like us because that it seemed to hint that that was their intention. But they have previous beef with the Doctor. So uh, they they kill Tech to you. Mm. Um, she didn't resist much. No, no, she didn't. Um, um, and if she was destroyed, although it was by Swarm in his year... Mm. If she was destroyed with this flux effect, uh, and the doctors implied that the flux, she could reverse the polarity <laughs> uh, and possibly restore the universe, mm. um, maybe Tectoon could be restored. Yeah, or maybe it's a you know she will come she will come back more powerful than they can possibly imagine. Maybe oh, it's a rip off of Star Wars. Who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but um, or maybe she's just gone for good. Oh, yeah, or maybe she, yeah, or maybe she is just dead. <laughs> um, but seemingly at the moment uh, Swarm seems to have, have, have killed her um, and they seem to well they're then going to clearly the intention is that they're now going to kill the Doctor but the, the hint that we get with the next episode's trailer is before they do that they it looks like they're going to give back her memories mm. so she remembers it all so it's like right so the idea is that is she going to remember why they've got a beef with her? Oh yes, she might. Mm. Yeah. So that's interesting, and again, that's where we leave the episode. There's a, there's one more thing. There's two more things that I just want to mention. Um, one, because uh, we'd seen this in a previous episode where the Doctor seems to have this vision of a um, a very big but weirdly designed house, all ramshackled, made out of wood. Keep forgetting about that. Uh, it's it's like the silence. I need to start writing Italian on my face every time I see it. <laughs> so uh, we see that image again in this episode. So it's kind of like, what is that? What's that about? It, uh, that's got to have a payoff in the next episode, or it'll be something seeded for the specials. Oh, good. Yes, possibly. Um, so there's that, but that's got to have a payoff before Jodie Whittaker um, uh, mm-hmm. pops off for good. Um, and then the other thing is which wasn't picked up at all in this episode, is not forgetting in the previous episode, we saw that there's an angel in the Professor. Ah, <gasps> yeah. 
There is. Uh, it was only brief, uh, brief in the, in the previous episode because we, there's a close-up of his eye and we see an angel in it. There was no reference to that in this episode. I totally forgot. Yeah, so t- just remember that. I mean, way too much, <laughs> way too much going on. <laughs> there's a lot, and so there's an awful lot for episode six to do to um, to to finish all this up. Does it? Because there's an awful. I don't. I don't. Up. I don't think Chibnall, Chibnall can do it. <sighs> Are you apprehensive? You, th- you think people hate him now? Just wait till uh, <laughs> what episode six? Wait till after the weekend. Hmm. <laughs> it may be good. Well, I, I hope so. But are, are you are you are you not feeling optimistic? No, I am. I'm just um, <laughs> I'm optimistic it'll be good, but I'm just unsure how the pacing of it is gonna is gonna feel. Mm. Um, with regards to tying up a hundred loose ends. Hmm. It'll all come together, I'm sure, but uh, I, I don't, I don't see it happening in my mind. <laughs> can't, can't picture it. Yeah, well, it it should be a should be a pleasant surprise then. Yeah. <laughs> um. Right, is there? Have I missed anything? I don't think so. Let me just check my notes very quickly. No, I think that's it. Right, excellent. So, uh, should we go to listeners' responses? Um, yeah. Oh, um, we did have a, a message from Todd on Twitter. He said, uh, there's still a plot hole with Claire already recognising the Doctor in the first episode. Uh, the angels that gave her the vision would not know the current what the current Doctor looks like. Um, this team's never met the angels before. Uh, similar to Torrance not recognising the Doctor was a woman. Um, that I think that was just in regard to the previous episode response. Um, well, that's a good point, but I guess the uh, I think that's in regards to has Claire physically met the Doctor before the ha- Halloween apocalypse? Uh, but we kind of thought no, didn't we? She just had um, like this foresight or all this the benefit of having um, knowledge from the angel. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was right? So is is it not a plot hole? Do you think it's been wrapped up? The stuff with Claire? I don't think it's a plot hole. I, I admit it is. It is complicated. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's fair to say some people might presume we're still going to get a Claire backstory, but not necessarily the case. Yeah, I think re- effect- the way that I think what this is is that Claire's just this this random person, which. Um, who is who's being used by the angels well a group of angels who are part of the division in order to get the doctor mm. so it's this it's this long convoluted trap basically so yeah. because they work for the division heralded by Tectoon who knows what the doctor looks like Gives that information to the angels. The angels use Claire to, offend, to, in this complicated way, trap the Doctor, so they're able to take her to the Division. Do you think that's it? I mean, I admit it is complicated. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. See, that's what I think it is, but then maybe, maybe it's a case of, maybe I'm presuming something which hasn't been explained properly, and maybe there is a plot hole. 
it does feel like something's missing. But then again, at the end of Village of the, Village of the Angels, it was kind of implied that um, Claire was basically a trap to get the Doctor there. Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. I think probably what it is, it's it, it's never explained why her, though. No. Unless she had this um, ability. Yeah, which they've tapped maybe, into. Yeah. So, so maybe that. But maybe it's because it hasn't... Maybe it's because it's like, well... It hasn't clearly been said why her. No. Um, so responses for this week. We had a few. Um, we had a couple on the day, and we've also had a few today as well. Mm-hmm. Have you got those? Sorry. Uh, yes. So Rob Keeley um, got in contact and said. Great opening, exciting and fun, but again, there was far too much in terms of plot characters and locations. I still think six separate episodes would have been better as there's enough material there just mixed up. And again, Bell and Vinda could have been cut. Um, I agree that, yeah, great opening, exciting and fun. Totally agree with that. I think that there is an awful lot going on. And I think actually, given the limited episodes that the jam-packing this story in uh they're doing quite a good job but i do think it clearly would have benefited if um i disagree disagree with one i'm quite pleased that we actually have a series of 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 an overall linked narrative Mm. um i have actually missed that and it's this series has really um uh, intrigued me and I, I've liked following the story um, but I think uh, it certainly would have benefited if the series was a bit longer just allow some things to be established allow a few more ingredients put in there and just let things breathe a bit totally um, I like the whole formula of it being one long narrative mm-hmm. um, but if we do get something similar um, with the next next full series of Doctor Who, I, I would like it to be a bit of a hybrid of um, a, a long serial serialized narrative, um, but also a bit episodic as well. Yeah, get get that balance through. Yeah, I, I'd I'd quite like that as well. Um, but going back to, to to Rob's final point, which was about Bell and Vinda could have been cut. I like that those characters are there, and I, and I said you know I've been a big fan of Vinda's character in particular. Um. The frustra- it was very brief as well. Yeah, the, the frustration didn't, didn't that I take have much away. is the um, the constant separation of them. I think at this point, the way that they've gone about that is uh, uh, somewhat frustrating. Um, and it could go either way. Um, either the building our desire to have them meet um, and they're not going to meet, one of them's going to die or get separated somehow mm-hmm. um, or, or the will meet and that'll be that'll be the emotional payoff somehow <laughs> I don't know um, uh, I'm just I'm going to paraphrase one word uh, in, in this response um, but the it doesn't change the meaning John Painter's got in contact with us and said load of old tot Chibnall throwing crap at the wall getting his military ranks wrong and making a mess with his crayons serpent you say and the great serpent shall rise from the sea and spew venom over all the earth. Which is a quote from uh, The Curse of Fenric. The half-arsed master plan. <laughs> um, 
quite like that. That does make me chuckle. Yeah, um, yeah again, it's uh, it, it's interesting. It's it's like with the previous episode where it uh, we got a real mixed bag of uh, reactions of you know people liking it, people really disliking it. Um, I can see why people would find uh, aspects of Flux frustrating. As I said, I quite like it, but um, but thanks, John. It's uh, it's good to have um, different range of opinions on. And I am trying to talk, talking of a range of opinions. I'm trying to find the others' listeners' responses. I think they're all off today's thread. Yes, they are. Yes, found it. Thanks. Right. So, Fluxer Gregory, champion of the damned, says an excellent an excellent story of two parts. The part with Yaz, Dan, and Jericho was side splitting throughout. Some of the funniest two ever. Standout being the Guru. The Doctor Division part answered a lot of questions but left plenty to answer on Sunday. It's a classic story getting all our ducks in a row and everything lined up for the finale but done with slick precision. Once again, Jodie Sword, ably held by Barbara Flynn here. This series has really raised the bar for Doctor Who and this episode fits right in. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. The The stuff with Yazdan and uh, the Professor were genuinely funny and the stuff with the, the guru, the hermit, um, was my favourite bit of the episode as well. Um, I pretty much agree with uh, with everything else that was said there. Uh, Steve Hyatt said, Something this season has clicked like it never did in the last two. Possibly because Yaz and Dan have real chemistry and Jodie is acting her socks off. Possibly because of the continuing story and cliffhangers. I'd take just six episodes a year if they were this good. I totally agree with that. Um, I think this something has clicked with this series. Um, it's it's easily the best of the Chibnall era. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's not as but that's the thing. It wasn't against any stiff competition. It's funny with the Chris Chibnall era. He's made very bold decisions. If if you actually look at what he does and how he brings certain things in and what you know, these are you know he makes very bold decisions for the show but somehow has done it in a way which overall comes across as very bland. It, it's weird. Flux, on the other hand, I think is, is really good and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And this is certainly uh, something that I would happily come back and re-watch, which isn't yeah. something I easily say with other episodes of the Chris Chibnall era. I don't, th- I don't think the Chibnall era is awful. I've said this before, I don't think it's awful... I don't think it's fantastic either. I just think it's been very mediocre, mostly in its execution. Yeah, uh, I think we've been honest about that mm. in the past. But you're right; it's not awful. Um, I think any anything bad we've had to say about it, it was legitimate. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily just. It, we we've never given it any hate. No, 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 we'll no. Just give it. But um, I think you're right. This this whole six part. I think it'll be a. It has a better rewatch value than the previous two series. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a lot easier to digest with it being only like six episodes, and there's more to take in, and it's more engaging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'd agree with that. If 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 the stories were this good going forward, I would take just six episodes a year as well. Yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with miniseries if if, if they're doing really good. Um, Stephen Alexander got in contact and said what's impressed me most is how the visuals from this series have inspired people cosplay, models, cloth and knitted versions of the characters it's been amazing to see 
I haven't seen any of that. I think uh, I was going to say I've missed out on that. I've, I've really missed out on that. That sounds our heads have been just totally fluxed <laughs> for the past few weeks. <laughs> but if, if if it's really inspired people to be creative, which uh, from this tweet it sounds like, I, I really need to check that out because that that it, that does sound really good. It's been amazing to see. Yeah, there seems to be ten times more cash on screen than in previous years. Um, yeah, the, I want a, knit, a knitted carvinista. Yeah, a carvinista or. A knitted professor. A knitted Kevin McNally. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> just that'd be adorable. But anyway. Um, who time? I uh, got in contact and said, Enjoyed the episode. We finally got some answers, but it still leaves many questions. Not sure about this timeless child malarkey. Interested in Division and Fugitive Doc, but the Doctor being born as super regeneration being not so much. Rob and I have said the same thing. We, I, totally in agreement with you there um the doc was a dropout who became great via her actions helping and saving people so the arc seems in polar opposite her characterization her meeting tech team was electric though love a nude of course again completely agree with that in fact when the the timeless child was initially announced that was my reaction um and i think it was yours as well rob wasn't it yeah that um, it makes the Doctor too powerful and as a result robs something of the series which is a shame but everything else I agree with uh, Daniel Knight visually the series continues to impress but like the timeless children the Doctor's stuck in one room with the exposition yeah that's true actually although, although it's done well um, in my opinion while Yaz and the others have the adventures sense of everything coming together for the, for the finale though strong performances from all and the Hermit was very funny See, there's he love was. for the hermit. Absolutely love the yeah. It's the best bit of the episode for me. There's a bit of everything in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's not dull. No, no, it definitely isn't. Uh, I like. That. I hope we've got all. I hope we can have a fun episode next week. Fun and um, I don't know. Good. I'm I'm I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be good. Whether it'd be, I think this will probably be the last of the opportunity to be fun aspect of the story because now you've you're coming into the end you want it action-packed but you need to tie up all these loose ends uh and as mm. as our listeners have said now ev- everything's been aligned yeah to, to to get that great exciting ending so we'll just have to see yeah. i think more than just answers i want i want to be surprised as well yes mm-hmm. hopefully there's something held back or something unexpected mm-hmm. yeah Is there any more? Uh, no, that's everything. So it's uh, just over wow. to us now. Quick uh, conclusion and score. Um, how are we rating this? How, how do you mean? Like, is it like a cake? Oh, right. I forgot, <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, d- does that need more thought? I think that uh, needs more thought. Prepare, I think in the meantime yeah. we'll just stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, d- definitely of a good average or bad story. It is, of course, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was lacking in any way. Um, all the episodes throughout the series have been all over the place, but very different. Um, they've kind of had their own their own signature. Um, it was good, yeah. I I kind of liked the stuff where the Doctor and Tech and the whole exposition stuff, but 
Um, yeah, hopefully there's more mystery to uncover um, and more surprises next week. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was good. It had had everything in it. Uh, there, was, there was funny moments, uh, surprising moments. Um, yeah, just everything. And I, yeah, and like you, I just think it's a good episode. Um, yeah. And we we did put a poll on on Twitter. In fact, uh, we sorry th- there was one re- listener's response that I, I missed out. So sorry about that. Salty Space Ghost said, "Classic Doctor Who, enjoyable from start to finish, with slimy villains, scary monsters, and a cliffhanger." Big thumbs up. Yeah, it had everything. Yeah, it, it had everything. So, uh, um, we had a very good turnout uh, for this poll. We had um, just shy of oh, yeah? just shy of eighty people, i.e. seventy nine. Um, so. Twenty-four percent thought it was bad. Twenty-four percent thought it was average. Fifty-two percent thought it was good. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Not overwhelmingly good, yeah. but yeah. yeah, just sort of just sneaks over the halfway point. Yeah. But good wins it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, mm. but well, that's interesting. It was it was so close between the average and bad. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both on twenty four percent. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that was a good one. <laughs> what was last week? Was that overwhelmingly good? Yeah. Uh, yes, I've forgotten the exact percentage. I think it was a lot higher than that. But yeah, it was, it it was. was good. Mm. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I guess that kind of wraps everything up. Um, we will be back next Friday with our. final review of Flux Mm -hmm. Um, so you can check us out then and also this coming Monday um, I'll be on the live stream uh, with a few others from the other podcasts Um, just having a random chat and then we'll probably will eventually get to um, the final episode of Flux and (laughs) give our thoughts on that Mm -hmm. with some random stuff in between (laughs) yeah Um, some of the things we did on the live stream uh, we we did a scavenger hunt because we did one last week uh, where we had to go and find something Doctor Who related. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and this week um, we had a scavenger hunt coming up. Um, so what we did, we did a challenge at the start of the podcast where it was a it was a don't blink competition tied in with the Weeping Angel. So we all kind of stared each other out, staring at the webcam. <laughs> right, okay. Um, I was gone in a few seconds. It was so annoying. Um, but... Carolyn won that, so she had the honour of choosing the topic um, of the scavenger hunt. So she she said to find a book, like an in- it had to be an interesting book. Or just in general, uh, or Doctor Who just related. In general, no, no, just it, it could be anything, um, and use your own definition of interesting. Um, so it's, it's worth it's worth looks. It's go on that everyone and see what uh, see what we all picked. Um, I did actually pick. I brought two things. I brought something we took to one of the conventions. It was, it was the Doctor's diary from, the family, um, human nature, family and blood, and I've got it to Robert Squiggle Squiggle Squiggle, like a signature from someone, and I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> was that one of the so guests? It was one of the guests. One of the one of the, not so major guests. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> right, hang on. Which convention was this? The first one or the second one that we went to? I'm gonna go with the second. Hmm. I need to rack my book because 
You would obviously get it signed by someone linked with the story, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I brought that book for any additional autographs where I had nothing to sign. So it's unrelated. I thought, I'm just going to fill this book with signatures. But it's only got one in. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> just trying to think it was just... Do you remember yeah, when... Um... I've forgotten the actress's name. Do you remember when I really wanted to get her signature? Um, uh, she was in oh, Goodness yes. Gracious Me. Yes, and um, she was also in EastEnders. Yeah, but it was it was really because uh, she was in an episode of Doctor Who, but it was, she was in Goodness Gracious Me, and I would like to have like, briefly met her and talk about her comedy work, and I would have liked to have got a signature, but wasn't able to because she, she turned up incredibly late, was there for 10 minutes, then because and then just left. Yeah, because there was a... There was a sh- was there a short queue at the time, or did we go in first or something like that? Yeah, it, w- uh, it was something like that. Something like that it was a- so that was a bit disappointing. Yeah. Um, oh. And because she was one of the people you had to pay extra to get her autograph for. Oh no! But did we not? Did we not queue up to see her? No. We. No, because when we so um, she turned up late, and we were in the queue for someone next to her. Yeah. Maureen O'Brien or uh, s- someone not okay. far. And just as she then turned up and I went, right, okay, great. So we'll get this signature. Uh, now that she's here, I'll, I'll go and pay because that's what you, you had to pay extra to get her to uh, get her autograph. So I went to do that. And then uh, and then by the time I came back, which wasn't that long, probably talking 10 minutes, she then mm. left. She wasn't there. She just, decided, you know. That's a nice. Yeah, but uh, funny enough, then managed to uh, so explain. They went, "Oh, we're really sorry she's left, but uh, what we'll do is because um, is it the same price? Um, you can get Nicola Bryan's signature. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> so I got Nicola Bryan's signature instead. Um, she signed Excellent. Planet of Fire DVD Brilliant. cover. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah. happy ending. Happy ending. Yeah, I'm just I- I'm trying to work out who you would have got to have signed that book. Um, I'll show it to you at some point. You can figure it out. It's a mystery. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if I put it to the fan community, they can they can figure it out. Yeah, they work it out. Yeah. So does that wrap it up for today? Uh, yes, I think that's everything. Cool. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Thanks, everyone, and tune uh, in next week where we'll be reviewing the very final episode of Flux, The Vanquished. Yes, the vanquished. Should be a good one. <laughs> Cheers. Bye, everyone. Bye. The TARDIS cloister bell. Imminent disaster. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no.